Welcome to the Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Dopp, and on each episode, you will hear powerful stories of one-on-one evangelization, brought to you as a collaboration between Mission of the Redeemer Ministries and Genesis Mission, the Encounters Podcast will encourage you in the Catholic faith, inspire you as a missionary disciple, and equip you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. Welcome, Michelle, to another episode of Crown and Crozier. It's good to be with you today. Good to see you, Michael, as always. So on our last episode, Michelle, you gave us uh, the adventures of your summer vacation. Oh, yeah. All the w- wonderful <laughs> places that you went. And after we recorded, I went and I Googled around to find the statue of Joan of Arc and the, oh, the, yeah. the tomb of St. Catherine so I could yeah. sort of see where you were and what you did. But Michelle, now we're going to put you back to work. We want to yeah. hear about you not going on vacation. We want to hear about you evangelizing. Okay, Michael. So uh, this was um, Saturday afternoon. And you probably know if you've listened to a few of my podcasts now that I particularly like the charity shops. I think, what do you call them where you are, Michael? Charity shops. We would call them thrift shops. That, that, yeah. that kind of thing. Used clothing yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And you find real treasures in there, you see. So I like those stores because I like dropping stuff off and getting rid of stuff <laughs> in our house. Whenever my wife has a garbage bag full of things, I'm like so happy. It's just like less stuff. But you're one of those people that loves bringing the garbage bags home. Oh, yeah, but I do clear out as well. Okay. I like to have a bit of a rotation going on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my daughter once said to me, uh, Mum, it's not that you've got too many clothes. You just haven't got enough space to keep them all. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so Saturday afternoon, we'd done our missionary morning outreach. I go into town and I'm in a charity shop and uh, the seasons are changing. So we're getting into winter now. It's getting colder. And so I found this hat and I'm, I'm preening in the mirror with this hat trying to decide how I look in this hat. Nice little red hat it was. And I was... I was thinking, oh, yeah, I don't mind that. That's quite nice. Anyway, I saw this lady watching me. So I I just turned to her and I said, oh, what do you think? And she went, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Always appreciate an honest opinion. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) She said, that's not doing you any favours at all, dear. You don't want to be wearing that. So I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I appreciate your honesty. It's good to have a second opinion sometimes, isn't it? And she immediately looked at me and said, I lost my husband recently. And she was making the connection between having someone to give her a second opinion, you know. Oh, okay. Um, And so I got that immediate moment of something's going to open up now. That Holy Spirit moment where you just know that it's kind of like a slight change in the atmosphere or something. And you're just like, no. I would say, Michelle, that if someone said to me, that hat doesn't look good on you. My husband just died. I too, even with being as dense as I am, I could pick up like something's going on. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, as she said this, I, I lost my husband recently. She kind of shrank a little bit, you know, and her chin went down and her shoulders drooped a bit. And I could see that this, you know, just saying that that statement had had a, an a effect on her. So I immediately said, as you would, so oh, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. When did you lose him? And she said... Well, actually, she said it was it was two years ago, she said, but we were married for 48 years. So I said, well, two years isn't long at all, is it? And, and it sounds like you were hugely in love with your husband. 
and then she said, oh, we really were. And I said, well, tell me, tell me about it. Tell me a bit about him. And so she told me the story of her husband. And I won't go into the details now, but he was a very good man. He was a rock, really, you know. That's how she described him, actually. And she said, um, she said, I really, I really, really miss him. And I said, well, like I said, two years isn't a very long time. And our hearts are tender, aren't they? I said, but, you know. It's such a blessing to have known a love like that, isn't it? I said, so many people, even those that stay married for years, they don't experience a love like you've described from me. And I said, um, but love, it always carries a cost, doesn't it? Because it comes when we lose someone, we feel the pain in our hearts. And she said, oh, absolutely. She said, you know, every day I'm struggling. So now she's opening her heart to me, you know, and, and we're in the middle of this shop having this really profound conversation. I said to her, where did you get married? And she said, um, oh, I got married in, in a lovely big church in Windham Square, which is where our cathedral is. I said, oh, that'll be the, the Catholic cathedral. She said, oh, yes. She said, I, I'm, I'm a Catholic. She said, my husband was a Catholic. I said, well, that's wonderful. I said, so you'll know then that um, death is not the end, is it? You got married in the church. And she, she, then, she didn't really hear that. And she went on to tell me about her dress and what a lovely occasion it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, are you going to mass now? And she said, no, I kind of lost my way after he died. She said, after he died, we, I sort of got out of the habit and I lost my way. And she'd, because we talked about loneliness so much, about how lonely she was. And I'd said to her, you know, loneliness is, is kind of part of, uh, of the human condition. I said, you know, because the heart is tender and the heart yearns something more. And I'd already said this. I should have said that before. I said to her, look, we talked about loneliness. Do you remember? I said, that space in our heart is for God. I said, the best thing you can do is now is to go back to Mass. I said, because there'll be a community there that can support you and love you. And she said, I know, but things are, it's different now. Things are more difficult. And she said, you can pray anywhere anyway. And I said, yes, of course you can pray anywhere. I said, but you're a Catholic. I said, you've received gifts in your baptism that you haven't even unwrapped yet. I said, you need Jesus. You need the sacrament. You need this body and blood, don't you? I said, that's what will fill your heart I said, you know that Jesus came and he, he gave himself for us. The love you, you've had with your husband is because he put that in, he's given that to us first. He died for us and then he opened the gates to heaven so that we can be together. And you, you and he, can, your husband, will be together. I said, that's the, that's the heart of our Catholic faith. Well, she said, but do you really believe that? I said, believe it. <laughs> I said, it's the truth. That, that's the absolute truth, you know. I said, you need to get back to Mass. And she said, she said, you're right, I do need to get back to Mass. She said, will you say a prayer for me tonight? And I said, say, I'll, just, I'll do better than that. We'll say a prayer now. And she said, <laughs> what, here? In the shop right now? <laughs> and I said, well, why not? And she said, okay then, dear, let's say a prayer. So I said this, I said a prayer and I said, I made the sign of the cross. She said, oh, you're doing it all properly then. <laughs> I said, yeah. And I, I prayed, Lord, I said, Lord, lead her back to the mass. Lead her back to your body and blood. Fill her heart with your love and give her every consolation. Let her know that she and her husband, I said his name, will can be together again one day in heaven because that's your promise to us when, Jesus, when your son died on the cross. 
And I said this prayer and then I looked at her and she was all tearful and everything. And, and she said, oh, let me give you a hug. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that was the end of it. And she went on her way. It was a very, it was a lovely little encounter, actually. You know, a lady who walking around with a heavy heart and a big empty space. And uh, just a little encounter like that can, I think, can really help people. Did I hear it right? Like she had been going to mass throughout their marriage, but it was yeah. only after his death that she had stopped. Yeah, and you know, what was apparent at that point was that it wasn't that she'd got out of a habit, really, was it? It was that when she said, do you think that's true? There's doubt in her, isn't there? And, and so you start to, you know, that, then I guess your motivation goes. And if you're on your own and you think, well, you know, but what, what hopelessness is that, really, you know? To know what Jesus has done for us and to know that he opened heaven for us, and to know that, you know, our hope is in the resurrection, that, that's our faith. That's so key, isn't it, to our peace and our joy and, and, uh, and to get us through the suffering of losing someone we love. Yeah, at the very moment when she needed the consolation of Christianity, the consolation of knowing God and his love and the eternal life in which her husband was dwelling and, and that Christ wanted to be with her in the midst of that loneliness like she probably had lots of other things going on in her life but i would guess that this was maybe the most difficult time of her life when you need him the most and yet at that very time those yeah, doubts come very much so and you're always aware you know when you have these encounters that you are in a quite a public place you don't know quite know how long you've got and you have to respond in the moment, in the time that you've got, in the circumstances that you're in, you know, and on reflection, which, and I think reflection is so important with these, when every time we have an encounter, not only to pray for the person, but also to think about, you know, how could I have helped more? Or what could I have done differently? Or what should I have, what may I have said? And that kind of visualization is very powerful. But, you know, the, the Lord helps you to to recognize what you didn't see at the time. And I think that's really, really, because I didn't see, it didn't strike me immediately that it was a crisis of faith, really, which I should have seen in the moment, but because, you know, you're kind of caught up at the time. And it was only on reflection that I realized that it's a faith that's really not there. And and I pray that I did enough or said enough to kind of reconnect her. Oh, I forgot to say that after I made the prayer, I said to her, do you remember your Hail Mary? And she said, oh, yes, dear. And she actually said a Hail Mary with me right there in the shop. So that was a nice little Beautiful. ending, really. I wonder, I wonder if she even realized that it was a crisis of faith, because sometimes we just make excuses. And underlying a lack of faith is just like, well, it's inconvenient or I feel alone and I don't feel like going. We have the exterior excuses, but there's a deeper reason underneath. And sometimes we may just look at the excuses and think they're actually the reasons. Like you had the insight to see that really there's a question of faith here. But I wonder if she actually understood it that no, way. I don't think like so. if she even understood herself enough to know that maybe it's, this is a manifestation of a lack of faith. Michael, isn't it a question that we have to ask ourselves continually? Where is my faith? But at least we have the understanding that that is a necessary question the whole time whereas I think that lady particularly probably wasn't aware that it's a crisis of faith 
But, you know, even in the small things of the day, when we're feeling anxious or fearful, why don't I trust? Where is my faith? You know, and I, I feel it very strongly about evangelizing, obviously, because praying for more courage, praying for it. No, is <laughs> actually, do you believe? If you really believe what the scriptures are telling you, that you're going to have everything you want, that you need, sorry, that you're going to be given the words, that you have to move beyond, you know, that's put out into the deep and trust. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out the boat and all those things. We're very almost pathetic, aren't we? You know, we who claim all of the consolations that God wants, to, that God offers, we claim those. But have we got enough faith to really ourselves on the line for the Lord you know so it really is a vital question and we have to ask ourselves continually I was listening to a podcast a couple of months ago with Ralph Martin and uh, Pete Burak was asking him questions and one of the questions was how do you pray what like what's your prayer routine look like and Ralph said the first thing he does in the morning is he prostrates himself or he kneels down and he says the Fatima prayer three times Oh my Jesus, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love you. I've loved that prayer for years and years and years. And so since listening to that podcast, I've started, when I start my prayer in the morning, I do that as well. I do that prayer three times. And the interesting thing, Michelle, the kind of the insight that I've had in my own life is that I pray both halves of that prayer for myself. So the first half is, my Jesus, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love you because I do. And then, and I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love you because I don't believe, adore, trust, and love him either. And so it's both, it's both like an acknowledgement of my faith and also a repentance for my lack of faith and asking him to give me that gift of faith. Faith is not like you either have it or don't have it. It's like you, we do have it and yet we need more of it. Or there's moments when we don't live in accord with that faith. And consequently, we can only experience or manifest a fraction of what's possible in the name of the Lord. Seriously. I feel duty-bound, but not in a bound way, <laughs> to do everything possible for the Lord. With a willing heart, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's like parenting. Like I feel duty-bound in a sense to be the very best father I can. But 99% of the time, I'm not doing it because I'm duty-bound. No, I'm doing it because I love true. my children and I want what's best for them. There's moments when it's like, pull your life together, Michael. you got to be a good dad here. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what you, how impatient you're feeling or what the circumstances are. But I don't try to be a good dad so that I can check the box. I do it because I love my kids. And I think it applies the same way when we evangelize that we're duty-bound, yeah. yes. But we also do it because we know the love of God and we want that love for others. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. This has got kind of deep, Michelle. So I have a one last kind of profound question for you, which is: um, Did you buy the red hat? <laughs> I did not, uh, but it was still there. It was still there this Saturday, and I was looking <laughs> at it again, thinking, "Oh, shall I?" Or not? no, I didn't buy it though. Michelle, well, hey, yes. thanks for sharing this story with us. Thank you, Michael. It's been okay. fun. Yeah, great. Bye, bye. We are delighted that you joined us for the Encounters podcast. We rely on the generosity of listeners like you to be able to continue to offer this podcast and much more, but we need your assistance. Please click on the donate link in the show notes to see how you can become a monthly patron 
Even $10 a month makes a big difference for us. Thank you so much.